Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every episode of the hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. Hey, my name's Dan. And I'm Jenny Hill. Let's get started. Episode 16, Holy Strokes, air date January 1st, 1996. Happy New Year. The last episode aired December 11th. So we are back like the show from a long, long break. And like I do every time we switch a year, I have some fun little facts about 1996. Jenny, do you want to hear? I'd love to. Okay, let's get started. The top song. Can you guess? Top song was Ace of Bass. (laughs) Think Gwen Stefani. Just a girl. Nope. Spiderwebs. Nope. Um, Was it No Doubt? My lips are sealed. I'm giving you a lip-shutting guess. Clue. Is it no doubt? No. It's it's no doubt, yeah. But it's don't speak. You know just what you're thinking. So please stop explaining. Uh movies to watch were Jerry Maguire. Oh, love it. The English Patient, Michael, and Mars Attacks. Um, I love Mars Attacks. It's a great movie. That's great. Red Bull energy drink entered the U.S. market. Where's it from originally? What? Remember the old like commercials for it? It was like, it gives you the wings. Oh, I guess you're Probably right. German. Because they did like Red Bull flug tag. Yeah, yeah. Where they would make all those planes that don't fly. Um, funny, A funny guy was Adam Sandler. A funny guy? That's what this website <laughs> says. Popculturemadness.com. Um, the crazy conspiracy in 96 was that Tupac was not really shot. Oh, he kept coming up with new music. Yep. Machiavelli. Top 10 baby names. Emily, Jessica, Ashley, Sarah, Samantha, Michael, Matthew, Jacob, Chris, Topher, Joshua. Topher? Mm-hmm. Hotties in fashion. Claudia Schiffer. Leading men in Hollywood. George Clooney. Tom Cruise. Famous quotes. You had me at hello. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else is interesting? Uh, pop culture news. Jim Carrey was the first actor to make $20 million to star in a single film. And didn't he cash that check to himself? Cable guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, something really interesting. Popular books that came out in 1996. I don't know if you ever heard of this one by uh, Mr... George R.R. Martin, A Game of Thrones. Oh, my goodness. This is where it all began. Best picture, Braveheart. What up? The big movies of the summer, Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, The Nutty Professor, A Time to Kill. Most popular TV shows, unfortunately, Melrose Place did not make the list. What? 
What? ER, Seinfeld, Suddenly Susan. What? Friends, The Naked Truth, The Single Guy, Home Improvement, Touched by an Angel, and 60 Minutes. Weird, right? Well, gives us a little perspective into what's going on in the world yeah. in 1996. So we kick yep. this year off. Cal Ripken, little home cooking here. Mm. Baltimore Orioles, he broke the Lou Gehrig consecutive Major League Baseball game record. That was a big deal, yep. as Marylanders can attest to. Yep. I remember that was huge. So that's what was going on in 96, guys. That's how this impacts this television show. So let's take a little time capsule back. We're there. We are right at Wilshire Memorial. This is a new entrance. We haven't seen this entrance to Wilshire Memorial before. This is an important entrance. Yeah. My feeling is they weren't allowed to shoot at the other hospital anymore. So they're like, oh, crap. We have to make a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quick, this is the emergency entrance. Quick, new hospital. Uh, Sydney walks in to the hospital. Is this the same night? Yes, it's the same night. She's wearing the same dress she was wearing at the holiday party. And I'm so glad we got a full length uh, view of the dress because that hemline with those feathers. Man, I'm Girl. feeling it. I'm feeling that dress. She walks into uh, a hospital church. Like the chapel. Unattended, but fully candlelit. Is that just a thing? I think someone was there. Maybe you light a candle when you're, uh, I guess, in like the Catholic faith. The whole shit was lit and nobody was in there. That's dangerous. For a hospital. Now she's pleading and praying, please, God, don't let Jane die. I'll do anything. Please. She's just bargaining and wanting. She says, like, if you're real, and I know you are, (laughs) don't let Jane die. What are you, a five-year-old praying? That's your prayer? Okay. Don't let her die, God, please. Well, at that moment, (laughs) the double doors open and we see a silhouette backlit. And this was very reminiscent of... of Kimberly's crow, crow days. Yes. <laughs> she was very like <laughs> otherworldly, like coming in and she enters the chapel and she tries to console Sydney by sitting behind her in the pew. Um, and she's like, Sydney, as your physician, I need you to tell me the truth. And she's like, I didn't do it. Honest. And she's like, Sydney, tell me you did it. And, she, and like with nothing, like a twist, a flick of the arm. She's like, okay, all right, I did it. I did it. I gave her the pills in her drink. And then, so Kimberly now completely has control of Sydney. And she's like, confide in me. I am your doctor. And I will be the one to help you through this. And this scene ends with this embrace where Sydney's crying. And then Kimberly just kind of looks off into the distance with this weird expression where you don't know where she's coming from. Is this all a huge ruse to finally exact revenge on Sydney and Michael and that whole crew? It's got to be, right? I don't know. Like, there are so many times that I think that 
that she's being genuine. Yeah. And then like that little expression, like a little smirk mm-hmm. was kind of like, oh, what but is she going to do with that information? It's telling because she says, leave everything to me. So she's cooking up something. She's got a plan. She's got a plan. We now go to the opening credits. Afterwards, we have some establishing shots of L.A. This was hard to watch, Dan. I mean, Mm, it is so shaky. It, like, hurts my eyes. I have to, like, look away. (laughs) It's very shaky. We get close-up of crotch jorts and uh, some graffiti, a dog. It was interesting, this this group of yeah, cats. We're, we're in LA. We go back to Melrose place where we have an oldie, but a goodie, the shot of the pool guy cleaning the pool. Keep still skimming. We've seen this before. Constantly skimming. But Jake comes into Matt's apartment. Matt is on the phone and he's, I guess he's getting news that Jane is going to be all right. Well, she, no, there's no reports on Jane and she's in the ICU. So Jake's over having his morning coffee. And then Mr. Hollywood, where we finally find out his name is Alan. Yes, Alan. Comes out of the bedroom. He's got an open shirt on. And immediately you can tell Jake is super, super uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'd never take Jake to be a, a homophobe. I wouldn't say he's homophobic, but he just seems like he's like, uh, okay, well, um, I'm going to go. You guys right. have a, a great rest of your morning. And they're like, hey, stay a while. Have some coffee. Like, hang out with us. No, I got to get to work. And he, like, backs out of the apartment. Yeah. He, like, he doesn't backs want to, away. He doesn't want him to see his butt. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Like if I show those guys my butt, they're going to be all over. They'll convert gonna, me. They're going to love it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever done this because I've never known his name, but Alan Ross is played by Lonnie Shillier. Shiller? Lonnie Shill Shillier. Okay. <laughs> Lonnie Shillier, <laughs> and he his he was bad guy number five in To Survive. Okay. That's about it. Okay. So after Jake leaves, Alan and Matt are having a conversation in the kitchen where Alan's like, last night was great, Matt. And he goes to grab Matt's hand, which I think is to signify that like a heterosexual couple would kiss here. But because it's 1996, we have to depict homosexual love by just shaking hands. Right. (laughs) Which is just so weird. So weird and uncomfortable. But luckily the director or whoever blocked this scene had an excuse. Oh, you're going to hold Matt's hand. Then you catch a glimpse of the time on his watch. Gotta get going. He's like, Oh shit. Yeah, I gotta go. But what's, what's interesting here is Matt is like trying to tell, like, how would you describe Jane? Oh, he's like, well, they're, the girl, she's still in the hospital. She lives across the street. You she's know, got a real messed up life. She says, nice girl, mixed up life. <laughs> yeah. 
What the fuck? Well, he, he's not wrong. Is it that mixed up? Um, well, Dan, her husband basically ran away with their sister. Yeah. And then she got involved with like other guys that like had a prostitution sting put on him. Basically, her love life is just down the toilet. She was engaged to this guy and then gone. And now the, the neighbors. Australian. The na- <laughs> yeah. There yeah. are. I'd say that's a pretty mixed up life. Okay. And I had another issue with this scene. Is it the music stand in the background? There was that, yes. Because that's really weighing on me. Here is my my take. Matt lives alone, right? As far as I know, yes. And then when Matt gives Alan this coffee, he's like, oh, uh, uh, that's 2% if you want to have skim. On, like, if you live alone, what... Does Matt just keep two different types of milk on the odd chance that someone isn't into his percentage of milk fat? I'd like to think of Matt as someone who entertains, someone who tries to anticipate his guest's needs, somebody that knows... I just keep skim on hand. Hey, you know what? I might have a guest here that doesn't like 2%. I gotta, I gotta have something on deck for them. I gotta, I gotta hook them up. It's not like wine or like having a Coke and Sprite or like it diet. Kind of is though. But milk goes bad so quickly. I feel like this is not normal. Or maybe they've been sleeping together for a little while now, and he knows Alan's preferences. Oh, interesting. Mm. Like this isn't the first time. Yeah. Okay. Okay, All right. but can we get back to the music stand? Yeah, has he ever played Does music? Does Matt play an instrument? <laughs> is there, I mean, is, the, I, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying, wow, that, like, someone that practices music, like, as a hobby typically doesn't have a stand. Like, seems, he's like, like, professionals have music stands. You remember in school, like, all the music stands were spray painted the school's um, letters? Oh, like, like like stenciled on, yeah, like property of HHS North Hartford High School. Yeah, it would make it would be more authentic if if he had it from like, like he a stole it. Yeah. All right, so we leave that area <laughs> <laughs> and we go to doctors at law. Yeah, Peter's in his office. He's on the phone. He's super pissed. And he's like, let the bastard take me to the Supreme Court. Peter is being sued for malpractice. Right. Now, Amanda enters. She is wearing this mini skirt with this suit that is so inappropriate for work. I can't believe. And I remember this. I remember shopping at Deb. And like, this was a look back then. It's so high. Like, it, why wear pants? It's crazy. It, so she she comes in and Peter starts explaining to her about his woes that there was a patient that has some sort of disorder that is genetic, by the way, but he's trying to say that Peter's surgery had something to do with like bringing on this disorder and he's being sued for malpractice and he's very upset about it. And Amanda couldn't care less she's like well i brought you a croissant yeah and don't worry about it we have new year's plans <laughs> what's good and he's like don't you get it amanda this could end me this could end us and she's like yeah and if you talk to me like that again 
It will. Peace out. But I'm like, you know what? Good for you, Amanda. Stand up for yourself. Yes. No, she's being a total bitch. I disagree. That's her boo. He's about to get sued. She should at least be like, damn, that sucks. Like, acknowledge it. Well, acknowledge he's taking that it's it terrible. all out on her. Because he's like, I don't give a fuck about New Year's, okay? Like, there will be a plenty of New Year's, but I may not be able to work ever again. And you're giving me a croissant? Okay, well, I guess there's nothing you can do over the holiday season. Like, you're not going to go to court now, so... She is not capable. This is her Asperger's coming to play. <laughs> okay. She's not capable of, of processing that someone else is in distress. All she hears is information. I am being sued. Great. Here's a croissant. <laughs> we have New Year's plans. It's crazy. Okay. So the, we leave that scene and we go over to Wilshire Memorial where we learn that Jane oh has had a stroke. Now, of all the the doctors in the entire hospital that could be attending to Jane, Michael Mancini, her ex-husband and cohort was there. I mean, I don't know if there's any foul play suspected. He was fucked up. Did you see how he was dancing? (laughs) Yeah. So, like, they go straight from the hospital, from the dance to the hospital. And he's like, "Uh, I'm going to run point on this one, guys. I was making out with her. Yeah, uh, I was the one that was with her. And I'm, like, completely drunk now. So he's her doctor explaining to her that she had some sort of a stroke. And he is trying to, to gauge her, like, I guess, like, sensations of physical touch. Yeah. And he goes to the right side of her body and tries to elicit some response from a pen or whatever from her foot. And she can't feel it. Guys, she starts freaking out. She starts self-diagnosing herself. She's like, why? What, I, what, what's happening, Michael? Why? I can't feel that. I can't, I can't feel it. I can't feel it. Am, am I paralyzed? I'm, I'm paralyzed. paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. And she's like, Michael's like, no, listen, it's early. It's, we don't it? know yet. And she's like, get out. Don't touch me. Yeah, that's like a spur. He has a tool with a spur on the edge of it, trying to like give her sensations. Well, it's got to be scary for her. I mean, she's had maybe a little bit too much to drink, but I think we all have had a little too much to drink. And the thought of waking up in a hospital and being confronted with the fact that you can't feel or move one side of your body. Yeah. That's got to be terrifying. But I don't know a heck of a lot about strokes, but aside from not being able to feel your legs, she's... In pretty good shape. Dan. Right? She's paralyzed. Yeah, but she can talk. Like some people lose function of their, their, like their face. Well, I guess on the the scale of like how bad it could be for a stroke, it's maybe not as bad as what it could be. She has energy up the wazoo for being tranquilized. I don't know, maybe five hours ago. She can push people away and fight and cry. I think you know, look on the bright side, Jane. Things are things are looking up. <laughs> well, we'll learn a little bit more about Jane's condition as we go. But for now, we cut over to Kimberly and Sydney, where they're mm-hmm. kind of, you know, that they're in Kimberly's office, and I think their sessions have just become like hatching plots. How do we lie? Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. It really should be 
sessions about how to get Sydney out of these fucking terrible clothes. <laughs> they needed to yeah. discuss. Dan, I've got to say that I feel like they've kind of taken it a notch up. They're not as hokey and not as like cartoonish as we've seen in past episodes. She looks like the Jolly Green Giant. I she and that like emerald, Ranger. the beautiful emerald color, I think really suits her her hair color. But uh, she could work at Oz, the wizard <laughs> like, for Oz. She works for the wizard. Yeah, she looks horrible. Sydney is upset with Kimberly because she feels that she should have warned Sydney that the pills could have caused a stroke. Hey, man, you know those pills you gave specifically to me? Well. Turns out if you give somebody a lot of them... When they're drinking... They get strokes. And I didn't know that. Kimberly's like, <laughs> Sydney, those pills were meant for you, not to be slipped into someone's drinks. So luckily, Kimberly has the foresight to say, you use three pills, here are three additional pills that you're going to put into your prescription... And if Michael or anybody comes sniffing around wanting to know where are your pills, let me count them. We have a basically an alibi for you yeah, in good. the sense that all of your pills are here and accounted for. So you couldn't have been the one to dose her at the party. She tells Sydney to start caring for Jane like crazy and no one will suspect her. Is this good advice? I would say no. No. I Definitely think, not. You know, in my... Whenever Sydney starts doing nice shit for people, they're yeah, like, what's the matter with up. you? Like, there's... Something's up here. Yeah. So let's head over to Billy and Brooke at lunch. They're setting up a trust account upon the child's birth for the the funds. Right. So they're out to lunch with Norman, who is Brooke's family attorney. And he's explaining to them, as soon as the child is born, the funds will be transferred into the trust fund account that can't be touched. And everything seems great. Billy's like, awesome. I got to go back to work. See you later. They sign the papers. And then as Billy leaves, Brooke asks the attorney, well, what happens if there really isn't a baby? He's like, do I still get the money? Um, that's not how it works, Brooke. No baby, no money. Now, Norman has been around the Armstrong family enough to know, um, that she's cooking something up. He's like, I know that look, Brooke. What is the deal? What's going on? Are you pregnant or not? She says, Oh, I can't run one past Uncle Norman. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. I just found out there was a mix-up at the lab. Ooh, shucks. Womp, womp, womp. And Uncle Norman's like, listen, Brooke, you better get pregnant soon, because if you don't, no baby, no money. Otherwise, the money just stays in the bank. This is weird. It is weird. I'd be so mad. Like, well, it's mine, right? Well, can this happen if it's bestowed upon a future person who hasn't yet been born? I don't know. I don't know the legalities of that. I guess that's, I mean, of course, the wheels are turning in Brooke's head. Oh, I need to have a baby in order to make this this money come into my lap. Why doesn't she adopt a child? That's a great 
That's <laughs> like get a baby. Yeah, just get one. <laughs> Hit up Kimberly. She knows how to get babies. <laughs> She'll get you a baby in fifteen minutes. Yeah, totally. Just fit, fit, flub the papers, <laughs> fake abortion, boom. Done. You got yourself a kiddo at a million bucks. <laughs> God. Great point. Come on, Brooke. She should, yeah, just find a kid. Hit up Matt. Matt's got a ton of foster kids. He knows. He can get abuelo. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Come on, essay. <laughs> Oh, boy! I wonder what about what he's. Yeah. I can't even say his name correctly. Abuelo. Abuelo. <laughs> oh, oh shit! What did the other kids say to like piss him off? You blink white jackass. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you were that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, season one. Oh gosh, it's like love a it. distant memory. It's like a a third cousin to the show that we know now. It's almost unrecognizable. Therapy sessions with children. <laughs> okay, so next up we go to D&D where Billy goes up to Allison and he's like, oh, you're giving me the cold shoulder. And I'm like, Billy, do you not remember when you told your wife in front of Allison that you had a pretend affair? And you never want to see me yeah, again? I never want to see you again. Um, let's just like not see each other then. Yeah. And a- Allison, she, she basically says that just that she's like, we're living two separate lives, Billy. Hey, we're done. Happy new year. Yeah. Get out of my face. Allison storms out. Then some mutant shows up. <laughs> Dan, this guy, it's, he's an unfortunate looking person. Yeah. He does not. He's not the he, easiest on the eyes. He looks like he has mutant powers <laughs> to some extent. He shows up, con- confronts Billy all distressed, and he's like, Billy Brookhold. <laughs> he said, Brooke is at the hospital. She sounded really upset, and you need to get there ASAP. You're supposed to meet her at Wilshire Memorial as soon as you can. So he goes there. This the emergency entrance is completely new, like yeah. Jenny said. And this is like gonna be the only way that the characters enter and exit out of Wilshire Memorial, I have a feeling. Brooke is just sitting on a on a bench outside crying, and Billy comes up to her and he's like, What's going on? She's like, I started bleeding. I I called the doctor and I lost the baby, Billy. <laughs> I lost the baby. She's laying it on thick, and Billy is like consoling I've her. I've been sitting here for hours. And then he starts rolling his eyes. Yeah, he's hugging her. And again, we never know with Billy. Are you upset? Are you annoyed? Yeah. Are you mad? Right. Like, what is wrong? Do you always look at the ceiling when you're upset? <laughs> So, of course, this is quite a blow to Billy because he was getting really used to the idea of becoming a father. But, man, Brooke is quite the actress. <laughs> She's really, really drawing that emotion. She's got real yeah. tears. Great acting. Um, and for the record, this is Billy's second loss of child. That's right. This happened to Amanda, Amanda too. Yeah insane billy just can't catch a break 
So we cut to like a commercial break, and we come back, and Brooke and Billy are at home, and like strange like turn of events, Brooke is like happy, excited, and like ready to have another kid. Yeah, she tells Billy that she wants to get pregnant as soon as possible, and Billy just seems a little hesitant about this. He's like, don't you think we should wait? Don't we need a period to regroup and get our lives back together? (laughs) And Brooke's like, no, what do you mean? Who gives a shit? I've heard that a woman's most fertile right after she's had a miscarriage, so let's do it. That's not true. I don't know what the validity of that statement is, but okay. It just seems weird to me after having a miscarriage that that's like the next day, what you want to do. There's a knock on the door and it's Allison. She comes with the shittiest plant. Word has traveled fast about Brooke and Billy's miscarriage. Mm -hmm. She's there to pay her respects and it's gotta be so weird for Allison to go into her old apartment that she used to share with Billy that he is now living married with this new woman. Right. It's gotta be so weird. Yeah. I forgot that. So where does Allison live? She lives upstairs. She's upstairs now. That's right. Okay. Well, she brings them a plant from like the grocery store and offers her condolences. And Brooke is just like, well, you brought us a plant, so you're off the hook. We're going to get pregnant right away. So So spread that around the (laughs) office, would you? Spread it around the complex that we don't need to make a big fuss out of all of this. Right. So, of course, Allison's like, okay, Brooke, bye. And she and Billy walk out and kind of have a little little convo where she's like, how are you holding up? And he's like, you know, I'm not doing so good. I really thought that Brooke would be a little worse off than she is, but she's the old Brooke. Yeah. Hatching some kind of plan. And Billy actually says, I'm a little worried that this might in some way be connected to the trust fund. And Allison is like, hmm. You're telling me a little too much than I probably shouldn't know that. Right. Allison tells Billy, take care of himself and have a happy new year. Because this is New Year's Eve. This right? Is it. Yep. Okay. So let's go to D&D. Bobby and Amanda. God damn it. Why? Bobby, is- get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> 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 Just Exit through the gift shop, please. Yeah, I don't know why he's even there. I think, like, signing the new papers to re-up for the cable network that he's trying to start or whatever. And then Amanda starts freaking complaining to Bobby about Peter. She's like, ugh, my boyfriend Peter has a lawsuit against him, and he's all, like, not eating my croissants now. (laughs) (laughs) And then Bobby's like, Yeah, you know what you should do? You should come up to Palm Springs. I got a house there. It's really cool. The Parisis have so much property in Southern California. And it's crazy because it's like whenever they come out, they have like no entourage, no like other people around, which I think is kind of odd. Yeah, does Bobby have any friends other than Amanda? Nobody. So he's like, you should come to Palm Springs with 
I was going to go there myself, but uh, it would be cool if you and Peter want to come and hang out with me there. And then he's like, but three's a crowd. Yeah. And then (laughs) Allison comes in. and then You're acting too well. (laughs) Oh, thanks. He's just like, three's a crowd. Oh, hey, Allison. (laughs) And And then Amanda gets this bright idea where she's like, oh, actually... Allison, maybe you should join us. Uh, Bobby's just invited me and Peter to join him in Palm Springs for New Year's. What do you think? You want to come? And she gives her that like oh. nod and a look that's like, bitch, you better say yes. Dude, and you know what? Allison should be at Jane's fucking bedside. Yeah, that's her like BFF. That's her BFF. And we haven't, like, exactly. That is a great point. Jane helped Allison through being blind. And, like... Where is Allison now? Yeah, you're going and off to Palm Springs with Amanda. How long ago did Haley die? Like, <laughs> 10 like days day ago? ago? And it's like... Come, why don't you go out to Palm Springs and like have this little New Year's trip away? But she agrees to it. And I'm like, you're making plans like that without running it by Peter first? Yeah. That's messed up. It really is. I would be so upset if you were like, yeah, so I decided that we're going to go with my ex-girlfriend to (laughs) hang out in Palm Springs. To her house. Just us. Right. And one of my coworkers, I'd be like, "No, I'm not going." This is so terrible, Dan. Thanks, thanks for. And it's New Year's. New Year's needs to be like a group plan that everyone's cool with. Yeah, you can't just make the plan on your own. So they're they agree. Off, off, will all three of them agree? They'll let Peter know. And now we go to doctors at law. And Peter is crouched on the floor, like frantically going through files. He looks at Michael, who comes in, and he's like, Sydney's filing system sucks. <laughs> he's very preoccupied with this pending uh, lawsuit. He wants to try to get all of his ducks in, in a row, all of the files and proof that he can to show that he had nothing to do mm-hmm. with the fact that this patient is having issues. M- Michael hears the facts ring, and he leaps over the papers that Peter has sprawled out all over the floor. And he's like, Oh, that's going to be Jane's lab results. And, uh, they'll reveal, uh, what's happening. So I need to go check. So they rush off to the fax machine. And as the paper is spitting out, they read that Jane had phenobarbital in her system, which is a prescribed sedative. So both doctors are saying, did you even know that Jane was on a sedative? Which why would Michael know that? Yeah, no. Like, why Why would he have anything to do with, like, what Jane is taking or what she's doing in the day-to-day life? Anyway, they suspect that there's been foul play. Mm-hmm. And on cue, Sydney walks in. Looking like a member of the Matrix. <laughs> that That is a very Morpheus, like, uh, black like, jacket. Looks like a Carrie Ann Moss, Trinity. From the Matrix. But I will say the dress underneath is, um, I think it is just like a NASCAR starting flag. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, It was made from that. And the knee-high boots on fleet. Again, very 60s revival. Yeah. So she walks in. Michael, again, does the grabby grab. 
He's pulls her in. He's always like getting his hands on women all the time. Just pulling them into rooms, pushing them, throwing them on beds. It is so alarming to see that. Like, yeah. He's and, a walking me too. And that like nobody says anything about it. It's like, get your hands off of her. He's so grabby, handsy. So he he's like, what's going on? What pills are you taking? He just snatches her purse dumps it out on his desk and he's looking for a pill bottle and he finds it and he sees that she's been prescribed 30 pills so he goes about counting them and sure enough all 30 are there so his suspicion that she had something to do with this drugging of jane seems to be inaccurate because he's like, I don't get it. I mean, I thought for sure you'd have pills that are missing here. And Sydney's playing it off very well. Like, I told you, Michael, I had nothing to do with it. I'm waiting for your apology. And he says, you're going to have to wait till hell freezes over for that, Sydney. <laughs> Sydney then says, look, we both need to care for Jane. And it's never too late to heal emotional wounds, Michael. Which he recognizes as some psycho babble that she probably got from Kimberly. Yeah. Let's head on over to Shooters with Matt and Alan. Matt needs to tell Alan something. And but before he can, Alan pisses me off, okay? Number I one, Alan. Alan is always like a fast talker. And I feel like he's always like, Anytime he's around Matt, he whatever's going on in his life just seems to be more important than whatever Matt is doing. Well, he's a he's an actor in LA. He's just like this is it's all about me. Oh, well, I guess you're right, but even in, when he was in the doctor's hospital, he was like, "Great, I'm gonna lose my job." Yeah, he. So Matt's like, "I really want to like tell you or ask you something," and then. He's like, actually, I want to tell you something. One of my actor friends out in New York has offered me to stay in her brownstone. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. And uh, so I'm going to move to New York, do a little bit of theater out there. And hey, we can just, you know, continue this long distance. And in my head, I was like, sweet. Get out of here. Later, Alan. I want Matt, the next person Matt meets, I want him to just like use him. Yeah, Matt. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, can Matt just like get it's, some? Because it's, be like, it's just like the same relationship over and over again. It's like I've AIDS. I've yeah, move. No, exactly. It's like you they get together. There's a problem, and then they have to break up. They have to break up. But it's like not. You get like a couple of episodes out of it. Well, how much? How much would you pay to get Katya back? I want Katya just to like. Hello, Matt. <laughs> I'm back for the week. <laughs> I don't something. know. I don't know. Oh, God. And I wonder how Nikki's doing. It's been a couple years. Yeah. She's probably like five. More Wait, than that. Probably like eight. Yeah. She could move into Melrose Place. Hang out. But we're never going to see them again, unfortunately. So... Alan's like, let's not ruin tonight. Let's have drinks at Shooters and just be chill. But I am going to move to New York. Now, Billy is off playing with a bear in the living room of his place. Well, I think he's reminiscing and ruminating on what could have been his son that could have been. Another, another child. 
but he's like holding like the head, like he's checking like the structure of the bear. He's <laughs> like, yes, this is soft. Oh, the padding and there's a head and legs. And he gets a call, like a shout from Brooke that's like, oh, Billy. Honey, can you come here, please? And he walks into the bedroom. Brooke is laying in her lingerie, mm-hmm. rubbing her legs seductively and says, Honey, I'm ovulating. And I'm sorry. I really love um, Kristen Davis. I love, like, she's super hot. But this lingerie is straight up like Golden Girls. <laughs> it is not hot. This is not hot lingerie. You need to talk to Kimberly or you need to talk to, talk to Amanda, Amanda about, about the hot lingerie. Yeah, talk to Amanda. What you're doing here is very Blanche, okay? It is it is very <laughs> um, mother of the bride. Right. <laughs> it's very this is like, matronly. This is fucking like check the mail lingerie, okay? <laughs> this isn't bang your husband lingerie. And Billy's like, uh, Brooke, I just, I'm not into it. The timing's not right. What do you mean? The timing is perfect. I'm no. totally fertile. Let's do it. And he's like, I don't think I want another baby right now. He says, please, Billy, I want a baby. He says, we have to wait. I'm sorry. And then Brooke, like, totally flips. Kicks Billy out of the room. And says, I'm sorry you find me so disgusting. And damaged. And he's like, um, that's not it at all. It's like, yo, I picked you up from the hospital. Like, you said you were bleeding. Less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. Like, physically, are you all right <laughs> down there? Like, I... Seriously. I know. It's, like, it's very sweet of you to think of of that aspect of it. But then it's just like, come on. It, Billy's not just like a sperm machine. Yeah. Like, that's really messed up. You're creating a human life. You should probably be on board. Yeah. Be on the same page. Make it out of love. And like, damn you, Brooke, for making us feel bad for Billy. <laughs> Like, Jesus, give him a break. So she does kick him out of the room and she's stewing in there and like being like a jerk about everything. Get out. I'm going to watch Golden Girls. <laughs> so let's go to Wilshire Memorial. Jake brought Jane some flowers to say, hey, the yeah. relationship that never was. Jake is there, but where's Allison. It's fucked up. Such a good point. Might be bitch of the week material. (laughs) You know? So Jane is like, I'm awake. And Jake is dropping off these flowers. And she is kind of confiding in Jake and just saying, like, what if nothing comes back? What if I never get better? I'm going to start doing physical therapy soon. But I just feel so lonely. Yeah. Which is so sad. And it's something that she's kind of done to herself in a way because she's trying to create this fictional relationship with Michael Mancini. But when it all comes down to it, she doesn't want Michael by her bedside. No. And who knows if she really even wants Richard. Dude, where's Richard and Joe? That's a great question. Where the fuck are they? I'm surprised we don't have a cutaway of them being like, she got what she deserved or like, because they're such a, they, them as a couple, I hate as well. They stay at the building. Yeah, I hate them too. I can't stand them together. And they were all uppity in, in Jane's business at the party. Yeah. They were all up in it's it. It's weird that we're not getting their reaction about it. 
They're just sleeping. But anyway, it ends again with a tearful Jane just being very upset and unsure of her future. And Jake is, says that, like, you know, I'm here for you. I'm your friend and I'll be there for you. Did He had a good quote. Did you already say that? No. Um, he says, when it comes to saving yourself, you're the only one that can do that. That's straight out of the Avengers, man. Oh. Jake is a That's a, a Captain America line. Yeah. He says, there's a light inside of you, Jane. Don't let it go out. boy, Jake. Well, it's super true. Jake back. And, you know, I think that Jane just wants to rely on having, like, some kind of a relationship. But really, she is a talented businesswoman. Like, she doesn't need Richard. She doesn't need Michael. Just focus on your business, and then love will come. If the Avengers came out in 1996, Grant show would be Captain America. You think? Hell yeah. Who would be Tony Stark? <sighs> Clooney. Or Tom Cruise. Probably Clooney. You think? Yeah, because Tony's like a playboy billionaire. Yeah. Tom Cruise would be (laughs) Ant-Man. Paul Rudd (laughs) is so much cuter. And uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. would be Falcon. I like it. Or Black Panther. Black Panther. Wakanda forever. Next podcast. Good stuff. So that happens. Jane feels so alone. Poor Jane. Damn it. Jane Jane doesn't do anything to hurt anyone. Ever. In four seasons. And the shit always happens to her. It's very true. She's done a couple things. What has she done? A couple things here and there. What has she done to like completely like just maliciously fuck somebody over? She did send... Send Sydney out to the desert to ask for a bologna sandwich or whatever uh, it was. Pastrami on rye. Yeah. <laughs> but that is but that is only because a retaliation. Sydney's like stole her business. Sure. Okay. All right. You might have a point there. So next scene we have Michael pushing. Yeah, pushing Jane in a wheelchair as and they run into Kimberly. Kimberly. Oh. Kimberly. Sorry, my puberty. (laughs) Kimberly. Now, Michael, again, grabs Kimberly's arm and, like, shoves her into a broom closet. Oh, God. I hate how he acts. Like, why do you have to be touching everybody all the time? He's a dick. He is a big-time dick. So he's accusing her of having something to do with Jane's current condition. And did you give Sydney the pills? Did you drug her? What's going on? I know you have something to do with it. And Kimberly responds by saying, Michael, I can't believe you would even insinuate that I had anything to do with this. And it's like, um, Kimberly, you just tried to murder everybody by blowing up a building like three months ago. Yeah. I don't think it's very far off to think you have some diabolical plan B of how to off the people of Melrose Place. Yeah. Okay. Raise your hand if you've had electroshock therapy in the last six weeks. Like, honestly, <laughs> now you're practicing medicine yeah. again. Also, keep your hand raised if you've stabbed a doctor in the hand. <laughs> And then attempted to jump off a building, you miserable, (laughs) psycho bitch. Uh, So she's like, how can one man ruin so many lives? 
which is true. Michael has had his fair share of craziness. Um, they end this little conversation by her saying, I have a very high tolerance for your BS, Michael, but I'm getting very close to my breaking point. I would be too if I got pushed in the back like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Get in here. Like I could like file assault charges on your ass for that. Yeah. So Michael comes out of the broom closet and Billy's there all of a sudden. And Billy runs into... Who knows what his motivation for being at the hospital is? Oh, no, it's to check. Do you think? Yeah. I got the sense of he's just like walking around Wilshire Memorial and, oh, just so happens, Dr. Fisher, the OBGYN for Brooke, is just there in the hallway. That's in- Yeah, that's interesting you say that because they, do- they set it up as like coincidentally, oh, hey, how you doing? Maybe he's there to check on Jane. Right. Yeah. And they didn't want to just set up a whole new scene because for that. I feel like, honestly, he's then, got no reason to doubt Brooke. Then he should have showed up with, with Jake. That would have made more sense. Well, Dr. Fisher says, Billy, I'm so sorry about what happened. And he, of course, is thinking that she's referring to the miscarriage, but she does refer to having the test results switched. And he was like, Oh yeah, the miscarriage. That's the that was like awful. We're getting through it. And she's like, no, your wife was never pregnant. Yeah. And Billy's face finally is definitive in what? That's insane. So he goes straight to shooters. Goes to shooters. And this is New Year's Eve night, right? I think so. So like Billy's gonna meet Brooke there to Ring to it ring in, in 1996, right. he walks in, grabs her arm, just drags her to dumpster sex site of trash sex. <laughs> yeah, trash sex number one. And, and Billy, he is just going berserk on Brooke. He's like, "We never had a baby. This is so sick. It makes me sick. I want to puke." And he's like freaking out. On and her. to to Andrew Shue's credit, I felt, I really felt this. I really felt his emotion here. I feel like this is the most range we've ever seen from Billy. He was great. This yeah. Was, this was good. This was like some of the best acting I've ever seen of Andrew Shue. It is. It's the And best. I'm not saying that like this de- deserves an Emmy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying... If you look at it in comparison to what he has shown us, this is really high level for him. Yeah. He says, I'm not some tool to get you pregnant, Brooke. She's crying. She's like, Billy, what are you saying? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, it's over. He's through. The marriage is completely over. He's done. And me and Jenny were both like, oh, shit. Yeah, you can tell Brooke is very upset. She's crying, and um, it seems like this is it. This is the the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. And it should be. It should definitely like, be. Why wasn't she just truthful about it to say, got some weird news today. The hospital mixed up my test results. Like, why couldn't you just say that to your husband? And then be the money. And then be like... Billy, we're in a weird position now because I bought a house that we can't afford. I've signed the papers for it. 
So I think what I would think, like, let's just try to have a baby now. Couldn't you just sue the hospital? Yeah. Get get a million that well, way? I don't know if you could sue them, but I mean, you could. Uh, malpractice? Look, I'm, well, that's I'm, a malpractice. Yeah, I bought Suit. all this shit for the baby. I'm suing you for that. Or and they're damages. young. They're like, just try to have another baby. But it's weird when when you do have this miscarriage thing looming over and your partner thinks you had a legit miscarriage. I mean, that's and heavy you're, emotionally. You're crying on this bench of the hospital. Yeah, you gotta look back at that and be like, that is like psychotic, manipulative, terrible behavior. Yeah. Yeah. The whole the whole package. So on a lighter note, we head to Palm Springs, California, and we know this because the words Palm Springs, <laughs> California. They want us to know that they're there. Right. Not not Santa Barbara, Palm that, Springs. That's like their, their go-to spot. Um, but they have an exterior shot Yo. of Bobby's house. Damn. The the back is amazing. He's got this gorgeous in ground pool, floor to ceiling windows looking out over the pool. What are they doing living in Miami when they have this house in Palm Springs? I mean, and again, like to to what you said earlier, if they have all this money that they're throwing around, it's New Year's. Don't you think Bobby would have like other friends or people or One family friend. members or an entourage? I mean, when you've got that kind of money, I just feel like you have like a pack of people traveling with you at all times. Yeah. Like where where are your people? How is this house not occupied at all times? It's amazing. It's really weird. And what's even weirder is that Bobby and Peter are hanging out together like drinking scotch. Peter's getting hammered. This seems like a terrible way to spend New Year's. Like it's a I, bad party. I would hate this. Not good. Being around people you don't like in a place that's so remote you can't get away. Yeah, that's the worst. Barf. That's the worst. So Bobby offers his attorney to Peter and asks him to ease up on the scotch. And Peter's like Get out of my face, Well, bro. he says, Amanda tells me you have a malpractice case looming. And this sets Peter off because he's like, wow, for two people who are trying to stay away from each other, you're sure spending a lot of time together. Peter says he's going to go take a shower and ask Amanda to, to join him upstairs. What a great way to ring in the new year, guys. Showering. You're there. <laughs> You're at like you're a guest in this person's house and the main event is midnight. Like that's what everybody does. Yeah. They congregate together, count it down, and you're just gonna retire to the take a shower, retire to your room. That's you're just gonna have a shower. Bad house guests. Yeah. Just this party sucks, period. And meanwhile, Allison is just alone outside, sitting on a fucking this beach. Is horrible. Chair. This I sucks. would be like, if I was Allison, I'd be like, I'd rather be in my own house, snuggled up in my couch, watching TV by yeah. myself. And then Bobby is really not a man of words because he starts talking to Allison. They're chatting outside and he's like, I heard Haley was a nice guy. <laughs> you know, your husband that fell off a boat and died. You're pretty. Well, you're really pretty. No, it's weird because <laughs> Allison was like, yeah, I, it, like she acknowledges the that her husband was cool. And then she says, 
I don't blame Amanda for making me come out here. I mean, it's not like you're even interested in me. And she kind of looks at him with like eyes of like, are you? Tell me you like me. And he's like, you're very beautiful, Allison. <laughs> and then she responds with, I'm not Amanda. Which is true. I think it's very evident that Bobby has this thing for Amanda and that Amanda is reciprocating it because she continues to invite Bobby back into her life time and time again. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, I know you, you want Amanda. You don't want me. And, and then she goes off to bed herself again. What time is it? Is it even midnight? I don't think so. Have they already counted down? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Now, instead of taking a shower, Peter's just laying on the bed, lame duck, and Amanda comes out in some pretty killer lingerie. Now, you want to talk about good lingerie. Yeah. God damn, girl. And candles are lit. She's ready to, to like ring in the new year right with some little sexy time. And uh, yeah. That's where we leave them. Yeah, so there, and then she's like, says the weirdest thing. She's like, don't you pass that on me now. And then she goes, show me how big of a man you are. Oh, oh it's like so hokey. Cringy. Yuck. So cringy. Um, now, Sydney and Michael, they roll Jane into the beach house to live. Right. Weird development. (laughs) Jane is going to go live with Michael and Sydney. In Kimberly's old house. Now, Sydney is wearing (laughs) this dress that, like, she has feather boas wrapped around her hands. And it just does not seem functional in any way. No. No, it doesn't. Um, Michael says, uh, Sydney's going to take care of you. Um, I'm going to take care of you. And it's, and it's almost midnight. So Michael turns on the TV and he's like, I know how much you like watching the ball drop. Dude, she's paralyzed. She doesn't give a damn about the ball drop. Like you need to still like be compassionate about like that whole thing. Not trying to like cheer up, buddy. Let's watch well, the ball I mean, drop. I want to keep it. I, I would think trying to keep it light and acknowledging that this is a horrible thing that's happened. But Michael orders Sydney out of the room to go get blankets and pillows for Jane. And Michael picks Jane up out of the wheelchair and is going to set her up on the couch because I guess that's where she'll be staying. And he kind of like as he's dropping her down on the couch like falls on top of her right and they have this like awkward weird but like this is like old and familiar kind of a familiar moment. like yesterday because we were <laughs> hooking up right <laughs> and sydney comes in and she's like i can't find any blankets okay so michael then goes into the room to help sydney find blankets and sydney's like dude what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, I live here. That's my sister. Is this some plot just to, like, get back with Jane? And he's like, no, it's not. She needs our help. And she's like, how long is she going to be here? And Michael says, as long as it takes. So weird. Yeah, it seems like her little plan is backfiring. Yeah. So back to worst party ever in Palm Springs. Amanda has rocked Peter's world. He is lulled to sleep. And she is like, all right, 
I'm going to go outside. In my lingerie. And I'm just going to walk outside. Why? Yeah, there's, there's no motivation for her to go outside. Yeah, why are you going outside? So she's out there and like she's got her skimpy little white robe on. Um, and then we see as she exits the room, Peter's not really sleeping. Yeah, he crack, uh, eye cracks open. He turns around. So she's outside. And then seconds later, freaking Bobby comes out with this obnoxious robe on. Yeah. What's up with all the robes? A lot of robes. Are robes really that prevalent where like everyone's wearing robes around the house? That is like a Hugh Hefner style robe that Bobby's wearing. Yeah. He's always has his like shirt unbuttoned. And so anyway, Bobby's like, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep either. Then Bobby says again that he loves Amanda so much it's tearing well, him apart. Yeah. He's like, she's like, yeah, I came out here to think about my resolutions. I have a long list of them. And he's like, yeah, my resolution is I got to stop lying because uh, I love you <laughs> so much, Amanda. It kind of hurts. It's like tearing me apart inside. Fireworks start going off and we see that. Which it's a kind of artsy shot. <laughs> Is we, it, we, Dan? <laughs> the well, reflection. Artsy for Melrose Place. Like there, we only see fireworks through the reflection of the the window that Peter is looking out of. So Peter is watching this exchange. So we can we we can surmise that this is midnight. So basically, yeah. this party sucks so bad. Everyone went to bed before <laughs> the ball is dropped. Sleeping. They couldn't even stay up till midnight. This sucks so bad. So then Peter is watching on as Amanda and Bobby just make out with reckless abandon. At the midnight kiss. Who knows how far they took it? We don't know. Because the next scene, it's daylight. It's the front doors of Palm Springs house. And there is a strange car outside. Yeah. Very strange car. Um, Allison, I wrote, Allison had the worst New Year's Eve ever. She opens a window and sees Billy sleeping in said car in the weird car. So she walks out to like go uh, approach him and see what's going on. And Billy's like, oh, hey, Allison, me and Brooke had a fight. It was really bad. She's not even pregnant. So I came out here. You drove all the way out there and then you just passed out in your car? Guys, Palm Springs to L- LA to Palm Springs is what? Two like and a half two hours? Two and a half to three hours. Yeah. And he, he all he says is, I drove and drove and now I'm here. And she's like, how did you know this? Well, Amanda leaves a forwarding address on all of her voicemails. Really? That's got to be like really crazy. So anybody that calls Amanda knows her whereabouts at all times, exactly where she is physically. That seems to be kind of like a safety danger. And makes it even more silly that the Parisis couldn't find her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just call her. She'll have her address wherever she is there. So Allison is going to ditch Amanda and takes Billy out to breakfast to like to talk about it and figure things out. Okay, so now we are back at Kimberly's office at Wilshire Memorial and 
Sydney doesn't know what to do. Her plan is backfiring. She's saying that it's not that she's not grateful of Kimberly's advice. It's just that now Jane is moved in and it's not what she wants and she doesn't know what to do. And she says that Richard and Joe are still prime suspects in like wanting to sabotage Jane and like get her killed or get her to have a stroke. Um, and Sydney says, I'd be so much better off if Jane had just died. Never say that again. Yeah. So Kimberly has a very crazy reaction to this where she's like, she grabs her. That is my weakness. And don't you ever bring it up again. Violence and anger only begets more violence and anger. Um, Sydney says she just needs more self-control. And she's like, I, I, I didn't mean it. I mean, I love my sister. I don't want her to die. I, I was just a figure of speech. And she's like, great. Well, we'll be on the same page if we just work together. So again, it's like, it's so hard to understand what Kimberly's true intentions are because we see that where it like really seems that she's totally against any kind of violence or any kind of like trying to screw somebody over. But like, what is going on here? Yeah. It's weird. So now we go with Matt and Alan. Now guys, Matt has driven Alan to LAX, the airport. And Jenny, I love you unconditionally, but I would never drive you to the airport and park and then walk to the gate. <laughs> so Matt is like head over heels in love. Like you think crazy. you think that Matt? Yeah, oftentimes He's I like, get to the airport and you don't even try to help me with my bags. You're like, Bye. no, you're like, see ya. <laughs> or like, if you're picking me up, you just sit in the car and you're like, what's up? I'm what's like, up? Hey, you gotta carry on. Can you help me? <laughs> just throw it in the back. Let's rock. <laughs> don't even stop. But things were different there. Then you could actually go to the gate. Be like go on the journey with them and go to the gate. It's just it's so foreign to us now because there's no reason for the the drop offer to ever go in the airport. Absolutely not. But back then, I think it was like part of the process. You know, you walk the person, you go through, you walk the person to the gate. There wasn't even security back then. Yeah, you can't even get through security without a boarding pass. Yeah, that's where the goodbye has to happen. But anyway, he 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 like offers that, and Alan's like, "Dude, no, like this is fine. We'll say goodbye right here." And he's like, "I'll be back in a month or so. Until then, just don't fall in love with anybody else." And no kiss. Like the way that Alan talks to Matt, I just can't stand it. I hate it. No kiss whatsoever. Uh, Matt then is just like okay, they have well. they hug they have this hug and they like scratch each other's backs like I didn't notice that and dude this is not fair of Matt Matt like just met this guy and he's like wait don't go to New York forget about New York move in with me that sucks 
Matt just sounds so needy here. He was like, like, I I was scared. I just didn't want to rush it, Alan. Come on. Just come and come and it's an opportunity for two people who are in love to see where this goes. Come on, man. I've got one music stand. (laughs) I got two different types of milks. Like, just just move in. And okay. (laughs) I was really expecting Alan to be like, sorry, Matt. I'm going to the brownstone. (laughs) But he goes, I was hoping you'd ask. I just knew you'd have to be the one to do it. Yes, I'll stay. Weren't me and you both like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Why are these horrible peripheral characters sticking around so long when you're like, get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, you're done. Goodbye. Adios, Alan. Uh, so Alan's going to stick around and he's moving into Melrose place. Great. So I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious because I don't even think, what was his name? The guy with AIDS. Jeffrey. I don't think Jeffrey lived with him. No, they lived apart. Yeah. Okay. So we're back at doctors at law. Peter's at his desk and he has a voicemail from Amanda and in the voicemail, she's like, Peter, I don't know what happened today. You were just kind of, or is this New Year's Day? Gotta be. So he's at work yeah. and she's like, you just left without saying goodbye. Want to make sure everything's okay. I love you. Bye. Ugh, and cheating ass bitch. That's like, that takes a lot of gall to do that. I hope you're not mad at me. Call me. Yeah. It's like. Fucking cheater. And what do you think, Amanda? Yeah. Anyway, so um, Peter, he like he he doesn't pick up the call and instead he just throws papers around in his office. And then Bobby just walks into the doctors at law office. He doesn't say a word and he's like, here, your settlement's all taken care of. Got rid of that malpractice problem. Bobby reminds me of Dracula in this scene. (laughs) He looks very Dracula. Really? Yeah. Just like very kind of like, I want to suck your blood. Oh, I can kind of <laughs> see that. He's got the like very angular features, really prominent nose and just kind of like dark and brooding and kind of scary. Yeah. Like he's mad. So but like doesn't overreact. Right. And if he like shows his teeth, I feel like they would be sharp like Dracula. <laughs> well, he does have kind of like buck teeth happening. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Peter is not thankful for this at all oh let me guess you made him an offer he can't refuse huh he's like no the offer was legitimate and then peter says okay well let me guess if i accept this then now i have to give you something to mine yeah i need to just hand over amanda very happily and silently and just fade into the background well i'm not doing that and then he's then then Bobby goes, "You're really starting to tick me off." And he says, "I'm gonna ignore that." No, he's like, "Oh, I'm." And then Peter goes, "Well, I'm really ticked. I'm ticked off right now. I'm super ticked." And he, I, I feel like, I feel like he says like, "I'm gonna let that slide." And then Bob, and then Peter's like, "You will let this one slide." And he decks him in Just the face, slugs him, and then he's like. That was a mistake. Do it again, and it'll be your last. Yikes. And he walks out. Dude, Bobby is an ex-military 
mafia sniper murderer like don't fuck with him and obviously your girlfriend is feeling him so dude walk away and he has so much money bobby has a lot of money yeah but it's just kind of like obviously you saw him and your girlfriend like i know it's gotta suck but obviously she likes him too so and bobby could take a punch he just took it oh yeah that's hard to do i think I agree. I don't think I could take one punch. I've never been punched in the face. I've been punched in the face. Yeah. Oh, I was with you when you got punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Reno, Nevada. Dude, I mean, you know, <laughs> things happen. Things happen. People get punched. But anywho, it's not about me. It's about Melrose Place. Okay. So we cut to Billy and Allison coming back to Melrose Place. Oh we God. learn that they have spent all day in the car. They had breakfast. They had lunch together. They had a lot of time to talk and hang out with one another. The mailbox at Melrose Place has seen <laughs> way better days. It looks like somebody took a baseball bat to each <laughs> mail slot. It looks like it's like the from the 1920s and it's never been repaired or no anybody's one, done anything with it. No one's receiving mail in those slots anymore. But anyway, they say goodnight. Billy walks up to his apartment. Now he walks inside and something's amiss. The phone is off the receiver, so you have the he notices a note on the desk we don't know what this note is but that causes him to go looking for brooke he opens the door to the bathroom and immediately sees brooke laying on the ground pool of her own blood she has we can only we can only guess that she slit her wrists There is blood everywhere. She's pale. She's got an expression of anguish on her face. Her hair is just draped across her face and her neck. And Brooke very convincingly looks like she's dead. That's the dress from Shooters. She's been there all night. Yeah. So she, her husband ran out on her. And really looking at like Brooke's life, what does she have to live for? Her father's gone. He's dead. She's got no money from her dad. She's married to this dude, Billy, who she really does love. But after this does whole... She? I think she does. But after this whole facade that she's been putting on, Billy's like, it's over. What does she have? She doesn't have any family. She doesn't have any friends. No one truly likes her. She had her health and her looks. She did have her looks. She could have got anybody. So she was, uh, it looks like she, she's done. She did. She looks dead, but. She looks dead. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if she is. She looks dead. Roll the credits and I gotta, I'm, I'm tattletailing on you, Jenny. What? Jenny, at the <gasps> end of this episode, don't. was like, do you want to watch a little bit of the next one? Well, because I want to know. And guy, I said, no. Dan was like, do don't that. you do that. We would totally be betraying everyone that listens to this podcast because they yeah. want our genuine, real reactions to what's happening. And if we know if she's dead or not, it won't be real. Right. We're Dan is that this. dedicated. I would have been like, put it on. <laughs> Let's see. 
We were watching week to week as if it was 1996. So let's recap this thing. Jane's paralyzed. Brooke lies to Billy and tells him she lost the baby via miscarriage. Matt's got a new boo and he's moving in and drinks 1% milk. (laughs) Uh, Brooke's doctor tells Billy the truth about the mix up. And Billy tells Brooke he's done and the marriage is over. Amanda cheats on Peter with Bobby. Jane moves in with Michael and Sydney. That's all I got. Brooks Bobby down. settles Peter's legal troubles, which he takes as an insult and slugs Bobby. <laughs> Brooke is dead. Brooke is dead as shit. Or is she? Or is she? 90s moments. Oh, Sydney's brown lip liner. What's up? What's going Lots on? Lots of frosted shades of brown lipstick this episode. Lots of characters donned that. That was like super big back in the 90s. How about Michael hearing a fax machine? Oh, and then Got going to run. In. Yeah. Matt's plates on display when he and Alan were in the kitchen, he has like these plates that were st- like standing up and it was like that quintessential like 90s like it was like a bowl like a depiction of fruit on a table. Oh god. Like, I can't even explain it past that, but it was like, like cool modern artwork, but Mm. it's like fruit. I've got Billy and Matt. They both wore suits with uh, non-collared shirts, like the Mm. freaking Night at the Roxbury guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They wear like a dark shirt, like a dark Mm t-shirt and then a Uh, suit jacket. Yeah. 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 um, how about the guy delivering the message to Billy that that he has to go to the hospital? Like back then, lots of people were in your personal shit because yeah. you didn't have voicemail yet Got or like text messages. Yeah. yeah. She sounds upset. She's at the hospital. Like if that was like today, so you just send a text like get to the hospital now. Yeah. And then you, you, you deliver that information to whoever you want. Um, how about the phone off the hook sound? Yeah, who has landlines these days? Yeah. Um, Jane's classic Adidas shell shoes. Do you remember those? No. They like the toe had like almost like a, I, I call like I'm describing it like a shell, but it had like, like the toe had that like. Bubble? Yeah. And it had the lines on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was wearing those when she was being wheeled around the hospital. I had a pair of those and I loved them. You can still get those. Um, I've got Brooks' big heart locket at at the the signing. That was the locket that Billy gave her. Oh, Remember with the baby. One side is them, and the other side's gonna be the baby. Yikes. That's a piece of jewelry you just say thanks and you put it in the <laughs> I like you put it. it in the box. That's sweet. Um, okay, so the lesson that you get from this episode, what'd you learn? Lesson here, guys, is be honest with your spouse up front. If you're in love, you have somebody in your life that you share intimate stuff with. You need to trust them with information up front immediately. Otherwise, you could end up with your wrist slit 
or <laughs> on the cold bathroom on floor. On the cold bathroom floor. The be- first of the year. Or if you are lying, come clean way earlier. You know? Don't like like Kimberly said, violence begets violence, lies beget more lies. You don't want to con- keep lying cuz then it gets bigger and shittier. Yeah, sure. Be upfront. Um, I have never hang out with your ex and your current boyfriend in close quarters. Like, yeah. why is she continuing to make this happen? And why is Peter going along with it? It can only create jealousy and, and affairs. Now it is time for... Bitch, Bitch of the Week! week. Okay, gang, last week I nominated Sydney for Bitch of the Week. Jenny nominated Billy. And with a vote of 19 to 12, Sydney's the Bitch of the Week. Woo! That means that I win. So let's read what you guys had to say about it. Alyssa says, gotta go with Sydney. Her attempted murder of Jane just can't go unnoticed. Amanda says, Sydney. Dan was totally right when he said it's fucked up to drug somebody. She did it not having a clue what the side effects of the pills were and with total disregard for what might happen to her afterwards. It's Melrose Place. There are definitely at least four sexual predators lurking around that Christmas party. (laughs) For sure. Plus, it's not just anybody you're drugging, Missy. It's your sister. Messed up. Noah says, I agree with Jenny. Woo! Billy is the worst. He's one of those nice guys who always thinks he's doing the right thing when he's really just a douche. Allison had a little stumble off the wagon. That doesn't mean you get to rub her horrible childhood in her face. Oh, and to say you'll be a better father than someone who was a pedophile is not really setting a high watermark for parenthood. Aim a bit higher, buddy. Uh, Great feedback. That's a good point. Scott says, sorry, guys. Yet again, I am voting neither. Ooh. Sid may win the worst sister of the week, but Jane was blatantly smashing her hooch against Michael at the party, <laughs> totally disrespecting Sid. I'm not saying do- dosing people is a good thing, but maybe she just wanted to put Jane asleep until her hair grew back again. Well, g- good point. <laughs> Billy, Billy, Billy is a bitch by proxy. (laughs) He thinks he's doing the right thing to both the ladies in his life because that's all he has going for himself. When was the last time he had any screen time with anyone other than Allison and Brooke? That's a good point. My bitch of the week is Amanda. Not only is she D crazy this week, (laughs) she's keeping the Parisi story going. Bitch, tell husband brother D to hit the road and take his play and take his Play-Doh. <laughs> Wait, where? And take his Play-Doh features with him. Oh. <laughs> and take his Play-Doh features with him. Where? You okay? Yeah. I always thought Matt was in a different show. Like the real world, not MP, as he barely has any contact with anyone else and just spends his time pointing out how B 
being gay is okay. <laughs> Tara says, going with Sydney, you can't drug your sister without there being a consequence. Miriam says, as someone who has sisters, what Sydney did was unconscionable. <laughs> I wanted to drug my sister on many occasions, but never have and never would. Nikki says, since tranquilizers and champagne are usually my Saturday night, I give Sid some props for being awesome. Billy Bitch is trying to be Captain Save-A-Ho, but he is instead ruining Allison when she's at her finest. I'm not sure why he thinks Allison riding his dick is a good, understandable reason for missing a meeting, and that is somehow better than her missing it for getting drunk. Billy, your schlong is not a magic stick, so stop acting like a boinky king. Wow. Also, him <laughs> saying he was going to be a better father than her pedophile daddy, I am not sure of that, you twat waffle. <laughs> Nikki, as always, very colorful commentary. I love it. Keep it coming. Adding twat waffle to my... <laughs> Repertoire. <laughs> Jamie Lynn says, I'm voting for Billy simply for his low blow at Allison about being a better dad than her abusive pedophile dad. I agree with Noah that it's not exactly a high standard, but more importantly, it's stone cold to basically rub Allison's abusive childhood in her face. What a bitch. I also wanted to mention, I don't know why I know this, but Ivana was Trump's first wife and Marla was the second wife. Yes. Just to clear up that debate. Yeah, we did look that up afterwards. I also have to point out the 90s moment that jumped out at me. When they were close up on Sydney, she was wearing a shimmery light lipstick with lip liner two or three shades darker. That look, along with the Y necklace... Is so, it's just so mid 90s. I have to agree. It's like the frosted lipstick. Yeah. Oh, God. I remember it well. Sherry says, I'm going with Dan Hill's choice for Sydney as bitch of the week for sure. The fact that Sydney put tranquilizers in Jane Champagne was a low blow, even for Sydney, all because she was so jealous of Michael giving Jane attention over her. Come on, Sydney. That was so wrong and so messed up. Michael was Jane's husband before Sydney took him away from her in the first place. How ironic is that? Now that the tables have turned and Jane has Michael's attention now, and it is is no longer about Sydney according to what Michael feels and what and that's what is obviously Jane. That is what Sydney deserves. Karma is a bitch, so are you, Sydney. Come on, Sydney. What you did to Jane is attempted murder. For real. Your own sister. That is the lowest Sydney has ever gotten so far in this series. So Dan Hill gets my vote for Sydney as bitch of the week, hands down. And by the way, Dan and Jenny, there are four original songs heard in this episode. The first song of the beginning of the episode was the opening shots of the Santa decoration scene is the Christmas song. I listened to the bells by none other than the great Luther Vandross. And the second original Christmas song heard in the scene when Jake and Matt are talking at shooters is the song something about Christmas by Brian Adams. The third Christmas song is at the fundraiser when Sydney is in charge of Bobby's house. It's Santa Claus is coming to town by Wilson Phillips. And then the fourth song that Michael and Jane are dancing drunk. What is it? 
It's The Last Christmas by George Michael. Last Christmas, I I gave you my heart. But the very next day, you gave it away. I thought for sure it was an Elvis song. I thought it was Blue Christmas because they were doing that. They were doing those weird lip twitches. That's Joe, man. That's Joe Joe for you. crazy. David says, while we should ordinarily condemn a person for spiking someone else's drink with tranquilizers and a sister at that, I can't bring myself to vote for Sydney as this week's Bitch of the Week. Let's also not forget that Sydney is having her head shrunk by Kimberly and who knows what weird voodoo she she hexes people with. (laughs) I think she's entitled to having some slack cut. So yeah, Billy's my pick this week. It may be that Dan's impression is so spot on that he makes Billy sound unbelievably dweeby. (laughs) But the guy is a vacuum. If he stood still long enough, he'd suck the carpet up that suck the carpet up his pants, his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, if I was married to Brooke, I'd also make crap up about sleeping with Allison. But that whole in- incident was pretty tawdry, 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 and so unnecessary. He's a detestable character, really quite unlikable, shallow, jealous, insecure, you know, human, but somehow less than human. And teasing Allison about how she was molested as a child to make him feel superior to her and perhaps better about his lunatic of a wife is just the lowest. I reckon if Billy was a Hallmark card, his me- the message on the outer wrapping would say, blank inside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kevin says, I'm going with Jenny on this one and voting for Billy. When he lied to Brooke about sleeping with Allison, I think my brain froze and my face turned into what Billy's looks like when Andrew Shue is trying to act seriously in any scene. In other words, my expression was blank. BT Dubs, while watching this episode to prepare for the podcast, I accidentally binged ahead a few episodes. No spoilers, but episode 17 is very entertaining. Haven't laughed out loud that much while watching this show all season. Can't wait to hear Dan and Jenny's take on it. Yay. All right. From Donald. Going to go with Jenny this week on Billy. I absolutely hated him in this episode, although Sydney did a horrible thing by drugging her sister. By drugging her sister. Billy just pissed me off a lot in this episode, and I have a confession to make. After watching this episode, since it ended on a cliffhanger, I watched the next episode, which oh. ended on a cliffhanger. So now I'm three episodes ahead, and you had to stop. Uh, so now I'm three episodes ahead of you and had to stop myself from watching any further because it's starting to get good again. But when Billy told Brooke that him and Allison slept together, I literally said, what at the same time? that she did (laughs) because I was so confused. And the reason why I posted that I was so confused about this episode was a lot of things. And it was so confusing, like the motivations of all the characters like Bobby and Amanda, Allison, Billy and Brooke. 
It just doesn't make any sense. But no spoilers, I promise. But believe me, it gets better. Trust me. I can't wait to see what you guys think of the upcoming episodes. And great episode, as always. Can't wait for the next one. Aw, thanks, Donald. Now, Paul says it has to be Sydney this week, guys. I mean, who throws a charity fundraiser on Christmas Eve in a mobster's house? And what was she thinking having Michael give the keynote address? And lastly, she was dressed like she was going to a funeral instead of a Christmas party. So there. Boom. Well, everyone... Who voted for Sydney was right because <laughs> she's the bitch of the week. Well, this time around, Billy did have a couple bitchy little things, but guys, thank you again for weighing in and voting. Dan, since you did win last week, lay it on us. Who is your bitch for this episode? Well, I got no more chances because I know for sure this bitch is dead. It's Brooke. You don't know nothing for sure. Brooke is a bitch of the week. You know why? Because she's a money-hungry bitch who will stop at nothing to get money. She's proven this time and time again by lying to Billy, um, figuring out that she wasn't pregnant, Lying again to Billy that she lost the baby. Then, like, she's had all the chances in the world to get out of this situation cleanly. And she won't. She's just a fucking bitch after the million dollars. That's her MO. I don't think she ever loved Billy. I think it was always a conquest to screw Amanda over and to screw Allison over. And she, she's, she's just crazy. She's a crazy, dumb bitch. I mean, she could have just gone back to Lowell. You know? She's a bitch. I hate her. And she's dead. (laughs) Okay. My bitch this week is Amanda. Guys, Amanda, you know that Peter has beef with Bobby. Why are you constantly trying to push them together and make them like be friends? It's really sick and twisted that you want your ex-boyfriend to be like golfing buddies with your new boyfriend. And then you, okay. I feel like if you're in a relationship with somebody, you kind of like, you've got to have that respect for that person to go and complain about your current boyfriend to your old boyfriend. I feel like you're really just playing both sides. Then to make plans to go to Bobby's house in Palm Springs, which is not like, oh, we're going down the road or like 10 minutes away. It's like two and a half to three hours away from LA. So you're going to be in a secluded weird spot that you can't get away from. And you haven't even consulted Peter on this before you commit to going. I don't know how the hell she got Peter to agree with it. But when you get there, you don't even watch the ball drop. You don't even hang out. You go right up to the bedroom where you screw Peter. And then you go and you make out with Bobby. You two-timing bitch. Mm. But to make matters worse... 
after your current boyfriend just leaves you high and dry in the desert with your ex-boyfriend, if that's not explanation enough as to why he's mad at you, why do you think he's mad at you, Amanda? He saw what you were doing and you're not even like owning up to the fact that you did something wrong. In the voice message that we hear, she's like keeping it light, keeping it fun. Uh, I don't know why you left. Hope you're not mad at me. I love you. That is terrible. I just feel like she's playing all of the sides. I don't know what she's gaining by keeping Bobby around. She obviously has feelings for him. You can't have your cake and eat it too, girlfriend. So for those reasons, Amanda, you're my bitch. You know what to do. On Tuesday, vote in our Facebook group. And if you're not in our Facebook group, there's a link to it in our show notes. Request to join, answer the questions, and then you get in. Bitch of the Week, brought to you by Honda. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Dan, this episode was called Holy Strokes, which it just dawned upon me like at the very end of the episode, why they named it that. Why? Because Jane had a stroke. Oh. I was thinking like strokes, like someone stroking somebody's ego or stroking someone (laughs) literally. Never got me. Um, But uh, what are you going to rename it? I don't know if this makes much sense, but it spoke to me. So I just went with it. Domestic silence. (laughs) Okay. Because... Billy was so domesticated and like Brooke killed herself. So like all the domesticness about him, like being married, having a kid has been silenced. Okay. Domestic silence. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Um, mine is odd lang suicide. <laughs> oh, I get it. Um, pretty stupid, but, um, that's good. Cause it's new year's. It's new year's guys. So, but it really Odd Lang suicide, suicide, <laughs> suicide. It, great. it really gives, gives it away. What's going to happen. Um, but to, to go to predictions, like my thought is Brooke is not dead. She has to be. It is the oldest trick in the soap opera book to present that a character is dead. They either come back from the dead that she's not really dead. I don't know. It just seems this is mid season. You're killing off a main character in the middle of the season. That's weird to me. I feel like they needed something because if the last episode was the mid season finale, it wasn't that great. So you get them back and you need to give them a whopper. I don't know. I kind of... And her character is runner course. Stranger things have happened in the world of Melrose Place, Dan. I just don't think there's anything left for her to do or accomplish. Well, we'll see. I mean, I my prediction is Brooke is not dead. I'm thinking that there is going to be some kind of a scuffle between Bobby and Peter fighting over Amanda. And I think that's ultimately going to result in Bobby's getting the boot out of the show. I don't know how it's going to happen, um, but I think it's going to come to come to blows. It's going to be some kind of harrowing his life or Peter's life or something like that. 
Um, I think that Allison and Billy are going to bond over the grief of the death of their spouses. Um, or what we fit for the perceived death. I think we, they might do a whole, Oh, Brooke is dead for like eight episodes and then she's back. I think we could see that. Um, I think that Jane and Michael are really going to fall back in love. I think that it's going to turn real for Jane and they will rekindle their thing. And then I'm still very, I'm very um, unsure about Kimberly's angle still. I'm really having a hard time understanding her motivations and what's going on. And I feel like Matt and Alan are going to break up like if not next episode, but the following episode, I think we're going to learn Alan is too self-absorbed too all about him. And he's probably going to be out in the next two episodes. If we're lucky. What do you think, Dan? Brooke is dead. Funeral four mourners, Billy, Allison, (laughs) Amanda, Peter. And Peter's only there because Allison's Amanda's there. Where are my mourners? Heavy Joe and Richard episode next week. Heavy. Because they were not in it at all this Mm -hmm. week. I think Jane, Michael, and Sydney have a threesome. Why not? Oh, okay. Why not? Why the F not? I think Peter gets Bobby locked up on some technicality about the way he got him out of Mm. um, the whole malpractice suit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Amanda and Peter break up for like an episode. I think they break up. And I think Allison and Billy are will be back at it. But Brooke is hella dead. She is dead. The, what what else is she left to to do? Dan, they have like they have come up with the craziest stuff before for characters. Hmm. I don't know. I think that they could figure something out. I don't know. I think she's done. Get her hooked up with someone else. Uh I did the math. There's 219 episodes of Melrose Place. We've done 109. 219, like, uh, total? Total episodes. There's 219 total episodes. We've done 109. You divide 219 in half. 109.5 is the halfway mark of the entire series. Whoa. We're halfway there, babe. Halfway. We're doing it. So we've got a review. We got a couple, actually. Here's a review from Whatever Whatever. It says, K Beacon Voice, such a great podcast. Such a great podcast. I rewatch episodes I've already seen just to listen along and catch moments, (laughs) such as that guy reading Kimberly's divorce papers over her shoulder. Are you guys going to watch and recap other vintage shows? When you finish Melrose Place, I love Beverly Hills 90210, and I'm starting to watch Baywatch, which I think would be so much more interesting with you guys' as commentary. <laughs> Thank you, whatever, whatever. Five stars from whatever, whatever, to answer your questions. Uh, Beverly Hills, I don't think we'll do that because there's been several rewatch podcasts of 90210, so... We'll probably leave that one alone. Baywatch, man, I don't know. That's hard. 
Donald has a Baywatch podcast. Yeah, Donald, congratulations. We just saw that you launched your Baywatch podcast on YouTube. Uh, great job. Yeah. Awesome. Get it out there, dude. Good luck. Good luck. Um, we have another um, another review from VB1322. Says, love this podcast. I recently started watching Melrose Place on Hulu, and then I found this podcast. I am currently in season two, and I have laughed out loud during every episode. Jenny and Dan are absolutely hilarious, and Dan's Billy impression is one of the funniest things ever. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for those reviews. Five stars. We appreciate it. Woohoo! Those are always good to hear. Uh, we got an email from a very kind fellow named Brett. And I'll read that for you right now. Read it right now. Right now. Brett says, Dear Dan and Jenny, I probably have nothing interesting to say, but decided to send this message anyway. I finished by, by rewatch of all seven seasons of Melrose Place and your podcast helps to fill the hole in my heart. I am still a little behind listening to mid-season three right now, but eager to get caught up so I can write in and vote for Bitch of the Week. I love the jokes and impressions you both bring to proceedings. You both show the same love of Melrose that I have, where we love it both because it's good and because it's kind of bad. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Thanks, Brett. Well, thanks so much for writing in. And if you guys want to share any sentiments with us, if you have anything that you want to tell us, you can always send us an email. Get us on our socials. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MelrosePod. And we'd love to hear from you. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash MelrosePod. If you want to flip us a book, that would be awesome. I think we got some new patrons, too. What, what? So big thanks to Wendy and Charlie for becoming patrons in the recent past months. Thank you all very much for for contributing to the podcast. That helps out a lot. Thanks, guys. Well, we love smut. And we love you. (laughs) 